Here we go. Folks, this is your host Cameron Ivy of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Cool. Well, Privacy Please, here we are. Here we are. I'm I'm your host Cameron Ivy, as well as uh, Gabe Gums and. Got a little special guest here. He's been on a couple times. You guys, you guys might know him as uh, Mr. James McQuigan. Good afternoon. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, you're just, I think, I think, you know, you're just going to be our next co-host. I think we're going to have three <laughs> co-hosts at this point. Well, you know, well, and, four. and, and since it. the last time I was on, oh, there <laughs> you <Four>. go. Well, <laughs> doggy. And since the last time, uh, I'm actually producing a podcast now. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Now we can actually we can plug that on here as well. I don't Let's remember getting an invite. Did, did you get an invite, Cameron? Because I don't. No, I haven't seen one yet. I have not. I didn't seen see it, but you know, I assume that with COVID and with all of the logistic challenges that have plagued the world, it's probably on its way. But there's a pipeline issue somewhere between Calcutta and Albuquerque. Don't worry, it's uh, it's traveling uh, IP over SCSI or IP yeah. over carry. <laughs> so hey, you know what? Sent. What we should do is we should do an in-person one, and yes. in, uh, in the lab or something, yeah, and sure. uh, do like a round table with some drinks, and that'd be good. That'd be fun. I mean, that seems okay. easy to do. Oh, we should arrange it around. When's the next? When is the next Central Florida chapter meeting? Our next chapter meeting is next Monday. Oh, um, we have another one in July. Uh, Maybe we should do it July one. So. Let's do the July time frame. Let's yeah. schedule around the July one. I'll join you guys virtually on Monday now that you said it because I didn't realize it was happening, but I can't yep. make it in person. Well, we we are uh, in person with our meetings now. Oh, so I can't and, do it online now? Right. Yep. We are back face-to-face hanging out with all of our colleagues from Central Florida. I love and, it. And okay. uh, yeah, so it, um, it's it's really great that we're back with that and uh, real excited. We've got some good guests coming up and uh, yeah, real excited. I, I tell you what, why don't we start there? Because A, I'll make the commitment to coming out there in July for um, for the next one because I need, I need to show up in person anyway. I thought we were still cool. doing virtual. So it's how disconnected I am. Um, B, <laughs> um, Cam, if, if he's down and making it, we'll, we'll do the roundtable mm-hmm. thing there. But What's happening with the Central Florida chapter? You guys are back in person. That's great. Get me caught yep. up. So we uh, we started going back face-to-face. I think we went in March. Yeah. And we were expecting maybe about 40-some-odd folks. And we ended up having to open up the expanders in the room that we, we were renting. Uh, and we ended up having like 65 people in attendance. It was wild. Wow. It was crazy. Uh, but it was so much fun to have everybody back there. And uh, – yeah, and then the next month, April, we, we went to another location because one of the things I like to do with the chapter is move around Central Florida. I don't like being in, you know, we'll go back and visit some of the same spots throughout the year, but we like to bounce around the north, the south, the east, the west of Central Florida just to give, because sometimes folks can make the, the chapter meetings when we're in a certain part of town. There are diehard members that are there at every single meeting, which we are always appreciative. Uh, but then, you know, by going around to the different parts of town, it, you know, some folks are like, oh, hey, that's only like 10 minutes from my office. Okay, I can go now, you know, versus right. having to go 40 minutes across town or, or whatever it is. So, nice. yeah, so we will be at, uh, we have our chapter meeting on Monday. We will be at Valencia College. Um, and then next month in July, we'll, we will be back over at the full sale. Um, full sale offices, uh, or school, sorry, uh, back over there. And, uh, we have Ira Winkler coming in to present. I ran into him at RSA and, uh, he was, he's, he's had a couple new books and he goes, Hey, I really, you know, love to come back out and present to your chapter. I'm like, great. What are you doing in July? Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) so he'll be coming along for that. So we're real excited. Very cool. I actually, not not to be, not to be confused with Henry Winkler. (laughs) 
No. Not to be confused no. with Henry Winkler, you know? <laughs> and I've never, I've never said that to him. Distant. Very distant. I've never, yeah, I've never gotten around to going, hey, any relation? But I think he's done that in a couple of his presentations. He gets up uh, when people don't really know him. He goes, yeah, I'm not related to Henry Winkler. But I have met Henry Winkler. Have you? He seems like an awesome guy. He is yeah, very down to earth, very pleasant, really nice, genuine, nice and humble guy. And uh, we met him at a con- at one of those comic cons that was in Orlando. And um, it, the, the cool thing is, is when you go to those, you're in line and then the person sitting behind the desk and you go up and you get a couple seconds and they'll sign something and you off you go. Henry comes out from behind, he's standing there originally, but then he comes around to the front of the table to greet you, shakes hands, hugs. Uh, this is all pre-COVID. Uh, we met him in 2016 and yeah, uh, he was, he chatted with us for like a good eight minutes. Uh, That's awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. And of course, my oldest daughter was getting into uh, theater, wanting to consider making a career out of it. And he gave her some great tips that have stayed with her. And uh, yeah, just fascinating guy. Yeah. Have you guys seen him in, in Barry yet? My youngest daughter loves that show. She loves Bill Hader. It's good. And he is incredible in that. Yeah, we just watched the series finale for series, uh, season finale for series three. Oh, uh, I still need to watch that because I know it yeah. just came back out. So, yep, yep, great show, good stuff. It occurs to me we've been talking about the Central Florida chapter. Not once did any of us actually say to what. For all they know, it could be the <laughs> He-Man Woman Haters Club. But we're talking about the IC Squared, not yes. the He-Man Woman Haters Club. James McQuiggan, for those who either don't know him or have not tuned in on, on any of the past episodes where he may have been been on, is uh, he's the head of the Central Florida chapter of the IC Squared. Yeah. Um, so cool. So next Monday, you guys are back in person. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And yeah. then the following month, July, we're back over at Full Sail. So I'll catch you guys there. Cool. I still owe the team in hell. I think it's pre-COVID now. Uh, part two to the presentation I gave. Yeah. I was going to go deeper um, into all the you material. Can deliver, you can deliver yeah. at, that, at that meeting if you want. I, I might do that. Anyway, yeah. back to our regular scheduled program. Mr. McQuiggan. Yes, I see square. What else is shaking? What else is happening? So what's going on at No Before? Let's talk about that too. So, oh yeah, busy things with No Before. Uh, always growing, always uh, being successful. Um, we just got back from RSA uh, and uh, had a good, had a decent turnout there. We were Gartner, uh, but for me, you know, I'm you know back on the road again. I'm sitting here at an airport, uh, chatting with you all with regards to uh, yeah, but back on the road. Sorry, uh, with um, doing presentations. And uh, talking with uh, talking with folks about cybersecurity, you know, it's kind of one of the fun things I love about my role, my job, is uh, you know getting the opportunity to go out and meet people, meet either whether it's our customers, potentially new customers, uh, and you know talking cybersecurity. I love it. It is nice to be back out there in the road. Many of us, not not all of us, but many of us, got back out there. At RSA this year. RSA was uh, not too many days ago as it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And hell, I even got to see you in the flesh for the first time in several years. That was surprising. Just kind of walking along the expo floor and you jumped out. I was like, what? (laughs) Just just popping out behind the banners. That's what I do. uh, The amount of excitement. Yeah. I mean, I I know a lot of people are excited to get back out in front of everybody. And... um, yeah, and just to see everybody face to face and and reconnect, and you can have you know we can do these conversations over Zoom and and the virtual meetings and stuff like that, but it doesn't beat you know sitting there face to face. And uh, yeah. I think you know I think a lot of folks were uh, quite happy to be you know interacting with folks. There were people that were still social distancing, wearing masks, and that's cool. Nothing wrong Perfectly with that. Perfectly okay. That's all right. And um, but it, I think a lot of folks really. You know, over the years, it's taken for granted just being able to interact and, you know, not having that for a couple of years and now getting back face to face. It's like, yes. All right. Cool. Here we go. There is a lot of pent up indoor energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No longer can you uh, you avoid. You can't say that you lost connection (laughs) and avoid somebody face to face. Exactly. Um, I'm a little jealous because you guys both got to go and I didn't get to go. Um, so what, what, what did the turnout look like, um, for that week? Was it, uh, I mean, well, there were exactly 
there were exactly 470 solution providers there. I can tell you that. Wow. I can tell you, I can tell wow. you a couple things by the numbers. Exactly 470 solution providers. 122 of those were data security companies. 121 of those were zero trust companies. And I'm just going by what they tagged themselves as. I found it interesting because I was trying to look at, at like, all right, so when when the ball is back, which which of the bells shall shall you know meander to the front? And uh, 122 zero trust companies right alongside 122 data security companies. I don't even think that the privacy companies numbered that many. And going into COVID, the, the privacy numbers were like they were really ticking upwards. In fact, that I, I had some old data on a slide that kind of just shows the trajectory over those last like seven years. And it went from about seven years ago, you know, some 30, 40 odd companies, like 300 I don't know what happened. Maybe maybe they're not showing up at RSA, but there wasn't a lot of privacy represented at RSA. A lot of security, though. What did you see out there, James? Yeah, um, yeah. Getting out on the floor, seeing all the different uh, the different security vendors. Uh, the numbers that I heard, I think there were about eighteen thousand people in attendance. That probably included security vendors, their staff, plus the attendees. Um, this was the second time that I've been out at RSA. Uh, oh, the wow. first time was right before COVID, back in twenty nineteen. Oh, yeah, same. Wow, so, my first um, RSA was at San Jose in like '01 or some shit stupid. I, <laughs> I, I, my, yeah, a little long in the beard, the tooth, the ear hair, you name. Um, I, but I've been going. I've been involved in conferences and going to conferences since you know 2008, and I always knew about RSA. But for me, that was like the big conference. It was like the me- the mecca. Uh, right. It was it was the and I know always knew that it was like, it was like black hat as well. I always knew there were a lot of people uh, that were going to be there. And um, I was going to ones that had like 1500, 2000 people. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. the smaller crowds. I enjoyed the opportunity to be able to connect with other folks and uh, meet a lot of, a lot of people easier because of the smaller number. And so finally 2019 was black hat and RSA that year um, or 2020 uh, within that, those two years. Uh, hitting both both of those large conferences, I know personally it was like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. Uh, and um, but yeah, it uh, it was neat seeing all the you know a lot of the security vendors that I'd seen before, and then seeing a whole lot of smaller ones, newer ones uh, crop up as well uh, was quite uh, was quite a good thing to see. But yeah, uh, it, a lot of zero trust. Um, trying, I'm thinking back, trying to think of uh, you know it was neat that CISA had their own booth. Uh, well, and I think they've had one before, but I think this was the first time since they've been really set up. But CISA had a good booth, and Jen Easterly was in there. Uh, Jen Easterly is, of course, the director of uh, Critical Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. Not to be confused with CISA as in the uh, Certified Information Security Auditor, put out by ISACA. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, so it was good walking around the floor. Uh, I did some fun videos while we were there. Uh, my buddy Roger and I we got together every day and and we made uh, made a fun video, kind of recapping each day. Put that up on YouTube. And, and I saw that. We, we called it the McGrimes Report. So uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But it was just you know a little eight minute video every day, just kind of recapping what we saw, what sessions, uh, who we were catching up with what Roger didn't like, what we did like. So, yeah, it was good all around. Let's go to day one, because I think that was the real big important day. First day, everyone's back. What was on your list of likes? So on day one, that was kind of the Monday. That was the expo hadn't opened up yet. Right. Um, So for me, it was getting around and seeing a bunch of the sessions. And uh, the first one I went to was with a uh, with a friend of mine that that, um, that I've known for several years. She was doing a presentation on uh, knowledge is a curse in, in the sense of we give presentations all the time and we talk about certain terms and certain concepts and not everybody knows about that. And so having to be able to go through and be able to break it down uh, when you're explaining, especially in security awareness, always talking with folks with regards to that. So it was really interesting in that aspect um, to, you know, to go to that presentation. And then after that, I got in, I went and saw uh, Tanya Jankas. Um, she did a little birds of feather one discussing ambassador programs, security awareness yeah. ambassador programs. Um, and that was good, kind of getting to chat with other folks regarding theirs. I ran one when I was at Siemens 
10 some months, uh, 10 plus years ago. Right. And right. Uh, so I still had a bit of knowledge, but the, there was a, another, <laughs> another reason, a couple other reasons. One was because I wanted to meet Tanya finally after all this time. And then two, I also wanted to get her on the podcast, invite her on the podcast. <laughs> and, um, but Shannon's then also, plug. What, what's the name of it? Our podcast for No Before is called Security Masterminds. Nice. Security Masterminds. All right. So we'll it'll, the, it'll be we'll in the show notes. If you're, yep, if you're it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> it will be in the show notes. This is yes. accurate. It will be in the show notes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, but then also I was one of the other things that I was doing at RSA was uh, I did uh, five 15 minute presentations at our booth. And one of them I decided, and they gave me pretty well carte blanche, talk about anything you want. And while I seriously, seriously considered getting up and doing one on all dad jokes, <laughs> I decided not to. I just slipped them in during the presentation. But one of them was about running an ambassador program because the whole concept of the different presentations focused around ways to improve uh, your security culture within your organization. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, so that was a lot of fun, but yeah, day one was, um, was hitting up a couple sessions and then I had some other, uh, personal things to take care of outside of the conference. So I took care of that in the afternoon. Um, but then in the evening it was networking. We opened up the, the expo floor opened up. And so then it was getting around and seeing the fine folks over at IC squared over at ISSA, uh, and, uh, and our folks that we had at our booth as well. Nice. Were there any, um, what were the most surprising things that you saw or one of the most surprising thing that you saw inside the convention center and outside? Cause you know, there's some interesting things in that area in San Francisco. <laughs> so well, I, I think one of the more interesting, one of the interesting things I saw inside the convention was, or the convention center was the race car. And then there was like this, like electric motorcycle as well. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of interesting, uh, seeing those in DeLorean. Cause I saw a DeLorean in there. There was oh, a DeLorean. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They had a DeLorean outside. Um, they had people in like blue, uh, vests like Marty McFly would wear. Um, yeah. So they had that. I think that was Arctic Wolf that sponsored that. They had that there and having folks should come in, take a picture. And then of course, scan your badge. And then now they hit you with all the email and all that other good stuff. Classic. Yeah. That's a pretty neat idea. I wonder how much that costed them. No idea. Yeah. A lot, I'm sure. I'll tell you the thing I noticed. <clears throat> I mentioned that there were 122, quote, organizations there with um, data security solutions. I know that only because, like, they, they tagged themselves as such, but that, that seemed to be missing in the conversations and on the show floor in particular. Um, but even in the hallways and, and the talk tracks, data security is absent, like noticeably absent. And now I'm wondering out loud, of course, if maybe it's just tucked in to everything else and that's the answer. Data security is part of all the things. But, I mean, is data security part of analytics, intelligence, and response? Is it part of cryptography? Is it part of cloud security and cloud secops? Like these are all the topics and tracks that RSA did have this year. Right. And it didn't occur to me until like day two or three how absent data security was when I was starting to do that thing in my mind. Like, you know, and we, I was talking to other folks like, yeah, what, what kind of trends are you seeing around the show this year? And I'm like, let's talk about some of the anti-patterns I've seen. Where the bleep did data security go? Did yeah. I miss something? Did, well, I did think everyone a lot of master it, it? Yeah, I think a lot of it probably fell under, you know, everyone focusing on zero trust, looking at, you know, you know, we saw the cryptography, we saw the apply, the application security. Um, it's, it's kind of underlying in you those know. conversations. It's, you know, everything is data. Data is like the new oil, right? You know, yeah. data is being sold left, right and center to organizations for a lot of money that they're able to collect on people. I um, suspect you're right. Zero, so it's, zero trust you know, is when you've got your your hardware devices, you've got your software, the applications, everything's all interacting with the data. It has to be. We're expecting that it's being protected uh, by Better. either the, the vendors that are out there, or if it is going into the cloud. But again, even if you are putting it in the cloud, you got to make sure that you're you are the one securing it. It's not Amazon or Microsoft's or Google's job to secure that. They just provide the infrastructure. You've still got to go through and make sure that you lock it down and protect your data. 
but I, I would say that data security is just kind of getting enveloped in there because there's human security too, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that's what happened to it because I'll tell you, I it, it like I stood up for a second. I'm like, mm, something. There's there's a strange disturbance in the force here. There's just there's something missing from the fabric of time, space, and and, and security, and and, it, and and then I realized like it's not just missing from the language. Like I went and I looked back over the RSA talk tracks; it's literally missing from that list. But right. you're right, zero trust is on that list. I mean, I'm not going to lie; I too gave a, a short presentation on zero trust because there's still this whole like I think I feel like most people are a either confused as to what it is and or b they have zero idea where to begin with it. Right. Right. Interestingly, like as a show that talks about privacy and security, privacy is literally the antithesis of zero trust, right? There is this, like, in order for you to have access to information, that that trust has to be established just about every time that happens, right? Like, privacy gets rechecked way more than security seems to get rechecked. But um, I won't turn this into a zero trust conversation. But I, unless, of course, you're you want to touch on the topic and there's something you want to you, you want to at least highlight for the listeners there, like a it's a framework. It's not a thing. Right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of people are seeing it as a, as a noun, but it's that process. It's that framework that we go through. Yes. Um, it's not something that is, uh, that you're, it's not a widget that you buy and put on the shelf and go, okay, we got zero trust. According, we're good to go. According to a number of banners I saw on that floor, it was. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I'm not going to call anyone out because I love all you security peoples, <clears throat> but I asked a few of you, what zero trust capabilities you had, and at least six of them told me multi-factor authentication. I'm not wholly offended by the answer, but I'm offended by the answer, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, first of all, you're past the trust to someone else. Check, got it. B, that's that's literally again not that's not the removal of any inherent trust. That is just another inherent trust vehicle. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that was, that was the other thing we were seeing. And this is what perturbed Roger, which was funny, was the fact that 99% or MFA will stop 99% of the attacks. Um, and we were hearing industry leaders say it, but I think what, I think it was a misquote. I think it was something they, you know, they've been given things to say or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but we know that because if that was the case, if MFA was stopping 99% of the attacks, then, hey, we can all pack up and go home because, you know, the it, only other it, one It has to be a misquote because well, yeah. any same person, if we, if we did the following, James, and you talk about, like, phishing all the time. Right. When someone opens Outlook, clicks on an email, payload dropped on their, on their laptop, tell me how MFA saves them from that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And the only thing MFA is going to save them is if the cyber criminal gets into the machine and then leverages their credentials, the Ah. MFA will stop them at that point. But MFA is not going to stop. Yeah. A lot of that lateral movement. Totally. The bad guys have figured out that we need to dwell for long enough such that we get more than one point to jump off from in case they shut this one down. And we need to also dwell long enough to make sure that we are in their backups and found their backups. So we know how to trash that too. And, or not just ransom it, but being the backups long enough. So they try and back, come back to the backups. The attacker's still there. Like the attackers know these things. MFA is not going to stop them from hanging out in your backups. MFA is not going to stop someone from, MFA is not going to stop someone from misconfiguring an uh, an object store and leaving it over. Like MFA is not going to classify your data. He's not going to teach your employees how not to click on that email in the first place. But I heard that answer from enough vendors that it's frustrating. Like I know that I said the number was six and I also know that it was 470 something vendors. There. Like, trust me, I know the math. I understand. Um, <laughs> yes, I, 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 yeah. I can do math. It still represents more than 5% of, of, of the population to talking to some other 14,000 people and actually spewing that. Right. So, right. yeah, we figure the numbers around 20 to 25%. Easy. Yeah. So, and, and for those yeah. listening, um, MF MFA. is um, MF, yeah, multi-factor authentication. authentication. Isn't it just as easy as? I mean, can't you just take someone's cell phone or hack into their cell phone and oh, use the authorization? Man, I to, told you the list of ways you can defeat MFA. I mean, it's friend. just that easy. My yeah. buddy Roger wrote a book, fifty ways. Well, it's hacking MFA. Then he's got like fifty plus ways that he can go through and hack it. Yeah. That's it's, right. it's basically roadblocks. Um, I mean, it, it helps, but it's not. 
it slows things down. So many ways. And really, it just becomes a annoying pain if you forget your especially password. When the attack, especially when the attack occurs on the mobile device, which is also frequent. When the attack occurs on a mobile device, and Android is even worse for this, and not picking on Androids, but because you can do things like overlays on, mm-hmm. on the images as well, too. You can, you know, kind of like old school click jacking on a web browser. Like, MFA is relatively easy defeated on mobile devices. Just mm-hmm. forget about it. But maybe well, we should have Roger on to talk about that. Can we get? Can you? Can you have Roger come on the show? I want Roger to. Yeah, you guys got to bring Roger onto the show. You'll. Sorry. You guys will talk MFA for days, and he's really, really. He's got a great history and fully, um, fully knowledgeable. And like I said, he wrote a book. So yeah. you're going to make the introduction. Yeah. And, I will. I will make the introduction. He would be more than happy. He's like me. He loves to talk cybersecurity. It's um, it's like his wedding day. Just tell him where and when he needs to be, and he'll be there to do it. <laughs> Done. And the reason why I'm I'm getting a little animated about this is like there's enough confusion around what zero trust is, right? That it it, it like on a personal level, it very viscerally just upsets me that misinformation is just being. Just bandied about this way right like so let's let's get an mfa expert on the show and let's talk about all the ways all the ways that mfa not just gets defeated yes let's talk about how it's part of your zero trust strategy and its larger framework but how it is not right an actual zero trust control even yeah i mean mfa is just one silver bullet that you have in your gun and you need to have a full Chamber You're going to need multiple magazines. Yes, yeah, multiple <laughs> magazines and silver bullets. You know, uh, it's all part of it's. It's just one element that goes into your security program, Indeed. along with your firewalls and your your cloud systems and your human firewalls and all that other good stuff. All of that good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're cool. going to need the moat, the turret, the barking dogs. They're they're all going to be helpful. <laughs> what what's Roger's last name? Grimes. Grimes. Hence. Grimes, so I can title the show Roger M.F. Grimes for Mother Bleepin' Grimes. <laughs> you, you could. We should clear this with Roger first, but yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you do have him on the show, the first thing, and you got to make sure you record this, and of course, he's going to hear it if he listens to this. But you, ha- the first thing you say is when you start recording is you go, so Roger, I, we understand or I understand you're here to talk to us about how MFA prevents or oh, I'm zero up the line already yeah no mfa <laughs> prevents 99 percent of the attacks that are out there yes and you can preface yeah, yeah, yeah. that by saying james wanted us to us to ask you okay oh, even better even better does he have a twitter does he have a twitter he is but he's not he's yeah he's on twitter he's Doesn't on twitter matter. and he's yeah, on no, that's perfect so i'm just gonna mock up a fake tweet from him with a quote like that we're just gonna can you explain i can photoshop it yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally totally no you don't yeah, have to I photoshop can... it there's, there's a website where you go to and it'll just create a fake tweet from anyone you want it's beautiful yeah. just well, if, you, if you go to day three of the video we talk about that and i flash up an image of a florida license plate that says mfa 99 percent beautiful <laughs> For, for Roger, yeah. he's got some explaining to do. That's going to be the first question we get. Now we just we just want to know if you could explain this tweet from yourself back in 07 at 3 a.m. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. going to happen. But uh, but I digress. I digress. The show was good. The show was very good. I mean, what else is is what what else did did uh, what else did I see that was worth talking about? I think the zero trust aspect is worth hovering on a little bit more. Maybe I shouldn't have poo-pooed it as much because the truth is, as a framework, it is a sane one. It is very sane as something to 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 put into practice. I, I wouldn't use the word it is difficult. I think the difficulty lies in where do you want to apply those kind types of controls first, right? Like just think about what do next. Don't think about what do all. How's that for grammar? That's beautiful. But like what do next? Like that's the only thing you should be thinking about is what do next? What do you need to do to take where your controls currently are and remove inherent trust? That's the other challenge with zero trust is that word, zero trust. Right. Versus that removal of inherent trust, which I think is another part of the education that needs to happen in the space is we got to get zero trust a bit more synonymous with lack of inherent trust. A great example of inherent trust. Login Active Directory. You now have the ability to list all objects in AD. Right. 
right. simply because you're an authenticated member of AD. That's 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 a, an exaggerated case of of uh, inherited trust. But think about how many people use AD as their directory services. Like ninety five percent of organizations, it's some silly number. It's it's large though. That's what that's what zero trust is all about. So. Maybe we have a zero trust roundtable also, and we get uh, we get a few of you folks back to talk about it. How do you guys talk about the the human component of a zero trust factor? Yeah, so when you look at the human part of it, I mean, we get back to MFA, but we get back to that whole authentication process. You know, whenever you know, and, and we're we're seeing it, you know, within our our phone, dev- our smartphones. You know, you've you've got authentication being able to you know gain access that way, you know, whether it's fingerprint, face, <laughs> your face. Um, but the fact that we're now starting to get um, support from, we're hearing from Microsoft and Google and, and Apple that they want to make it so that you're almost getting a, like a passwordless environment where they will utilize the authentication capabilities of the device that you're on right. to authenticate you to, you know, whatever website. Um and so looking at, you know, by getting it to that point, it's like, great, now I can just use my phone to authenticate. Yeah, most likely there's a password for it and it's probably stored somewhere. But uh, being able to have utilize that and not have to be entering in passwords all the time is going to probably save a lot. Um, when you, you know, continue looking at as the, the human with regards to zero trust, um, you know, being able to authenticate yourself, you know, and you don't want to have to do it all the time. Single sign-on works, you know, you, it makes life a lot easier that way as well. Uh, at least that I've seen in my experience and, and, you know, work environments and, and such when you're, especially when you've got organizations and you're dealing with 30, 40 applications that you've got to log in each day or over a period of a week or so. Um, and having that single sign-on uh, makes that a lot easier because, you know, yeah, you're going to have that zero trust and you want to authenticate people all the time, make sure it's really them and not some cyber criminal. But then your security is getting in the way of your productivity. And that is something we don't want to do. And we try to use technology or and processes to, to take care of all that. And so if we're looking at utilizing single sign-on for handling our authentications, that's good. But then the issue then becomes, okay, great. Well, if somebody gets gains access to your system, well, they are they now going to be able to go through? And so, you know, if you can have things like, you know, Windows Hello or, you know, fingerprint reader on the MacBooks or something like that, where you can easily authenticate that, yes, it's really me, um, then that can help, you know, uh, protect the systems, protect the data, uh, but still, you know, have some level of zero trust that's in there and, and uh, not be as... Uh, and hindrance to the user. So <clears throat> I've been seeing a lot of, um, seems to be a hot topic right now, but ha- have you got, did you guys see any of uh, cyber insurance uh, as a big topic at, at RSA? I did. I did. Yeah. I did see, see it as uh, as a big topic. In fact, um, there was, there was a conversation that I unfortunately didn't get a chance to, uh, to see, um, but Cyurance uh, <clears throat> participated in part of that conversation too, which I thought was was interesting. Um, I don't know. Were there multiple conversations, or that was the only one that I saw? They were. It was sprinkled in some of the topics that I saw. Some of the presentations um, again as one of those things that you have is as part of your arsenal for your organization for your security program. Um, you know, looking at cyber insurance, we've we've seen over the last couple of years the huge increase. Uh, a lot of people jumping on board getting it insurance, but then the cyber insurance companies not really being fully aware of you know what the, what they need to check and vet and, you know, mm-hmm. and then end up costing them. Um, so right now, I think we've got a lot of organizations that are out there. Cyber insurance uh, is being handled a lot better now. They're bringing in, you know, the the red teams to do the pen tests and check to make sure the organization's following through and that they are really protecting doing what they're doing. Because I think that was a lot of the issue. It was like, yep, here's all of our policies. And I go, oh, great, cool. All right, well, here you go. Here's a, you know, $10 billion, $10 million, whatever, depending on what they needed. Uh, insurance policy. Uh, now it's the the premiums have come down way low. Uh, sorry, the premiums have gone high while the coverage has gone down. Uh, the amount they're going to cover. Uh, so uh, so I think a lot of it for folks at RSA was like, yep, you know, our 
insurance is one aspect of it, but I didn't see, you know, anything new and groundbreaking with regards to it. Well, do you I think it's quote, because, sorry, I was just going to say, do you think it's more re- uh, relevant right now because the whole premise behind what's going on in our industry is that it's not a matter of if or when it's a matter of how many times do you think it's because of that? Oh yeah. A lot of it also came down to the ransomware attacks. A lot of organizations yeah. getting hit and filing the claims. And then you had cyber insurance companies themselves getting hit because the cyber criminals going after them and finding all their clients and then going after the clients because, Hey, they got insurance and we know they're going to pay. And so you had such a, a spike, um, in those yeah. attacks uh, because of the ransomware uh, that a lot of the folks have to go around and, and fix things and, and uh, clear things up. So I found, I found the, uh, the, the panel was with Nick, Nick Schreiner from uh, Arctic Wolf. We were just talked about Arctic Wolf a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Bryan of Resilience and Kirsten, Kirsten Bay from Scishurance, uh, which is the organization I was mentioning a minute ago as well too. But they were saying, and this, this one's, this one just kind of caught me as wow, I didn't see that. Um, the price of cyber insurance in the United States grew an average of 96% year over year during Q3 of 21. Basically, if you had cyber insurance like two years ago, it's twice as expensive now. Yeah. And Kristen's quoted as saying that uh, coverage is never going to be, quote unquote, cheap ever again. Ever again, shall it be yeah. cheap? Was it cheap, though? I guess relatively cheap, right? Yeah, I'll agree with her. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. You yeah, I mean, I know it was expensive with some of the premiums they had going on, uh, but now with all the issues and everything that's arisen from it, yeah, they've they've gone up significantly. Should it ever be cheap? I mean, well, let's look at it this way, and it's a bad analogy, but I don't have a better one. Life insurance. We life know insurance, we're all right. going to home insurance. Yeah. Well, no, let's take life insurance okay. because it's an event that we know will happen to everyone. Not everyone might get into a car accident. You could go your entire driving life. No, you're right. Okay. Yeah, but but life insurance. We're all going to die. Facts. Big facts. Totally going to happen. Well, yes. Some some vampires around. There's some. Vampires Trust me on this one. Trust me on this. <laughs> that guy's dead on the inside. He's just uh, there's no soul. No soul. It's completely <laughs> dead on the inside. He's dead one way or the other. Okay. And. and and I guess what I'm trying to, to figure out is, will cyber insurance never be cheap again? Because we know cyber criminals will always get to, like, they will get to the data. Really, we're we're totally in a place of, can we minimize the impact, the likelihood, and our time to, to identify them? But the chances of them getting to some data is pretty darn good when all they have to do is have one person click on one email address, right? So is the premise that they will always, your defenses will always fail to some degree, and so the price of this premium will always be high. And how is that in comparison to the fact that everyone will die? Or is it just that fewer people have life insurance? You know, thinking back, you know, I, I always go to the cars. You know, and we look at the driving insurance. You know, yes, the life insurance in the event, you're, it's going to happen. You know, um, you're either an organization that's been breached and you know it or you're an organization that's been breached and you don't know. But the driving analogy, you've gotten to the point where You've got some insurance, car insurance companies where they say, let us hook up this little device and it'll help lower your premiums because we're going to monitor how you drive. And people do it. It's like, all right, because, you know, those are the people that follow the rules of the road and don't speed. No, those are people that don't respect their privacy. Well, that's a different topic altogether. You know, (laughs) somebody should do a a podcast on, you know, privacy. Oh, wait, never mind. Um, But so, yeah, but you've got you. But you talk about wanting to lower your premiums. People go, all right, if I hook up this device and I share my driving data with you. And I'm driving well, then I will get a lower premium and I'll save money. And I think it might come to that where you could have insurance companies go, okay, well, we're going to we're going to have these monitors or we want monitoring logs from you or whatever. Or, you know, we'll lower your premiums. You know, every quarter we'll drop them thousand dollars. I don't know making a number that's gorgeous that's gorgeous right until the following happens the insurance company starts siphoning off like sim data and then i just hack the insurance company yes yep and then you've got all that data yeah that that, totally yeah no but totally right and you know or it'll be some even better even better i hook up a sim to my insurance company but i hook it up to like my 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 isolated recovery environment 
Yep. Now, I'm sure they'll have auditors to check, right? But look, what I'm getting at is if you're only going to take my blood pressure this way, like they'll make sure that, they'll make sure that they show up and work out heavy right before the, 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 the test, right? Like it's just such a flawed model, though. I, I see where you go with it, and I agree. Yeah. But then there's the just like let's take the car analogy a little bit further. Car insurance in Turkey. I don't even know if it exists, but I've 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 been driven around in Turkey. <laughs> like what is, is it crazier what is, than what, India? What is good? Well, arguably yes, which is which I've also been driven around in. Sorry. Oh, totally, Boston. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, not by a lot, not by a lot, not by a lot, not by a lot, not by a lot. But I haven't been driven in both of those countries, India and Turkey. No offense, to my Turkish brothers, but y'all. I mean, actually, fact, they can drive. They can drive so well that in all that chaos, it, it, there, there are not as many accidents as you might think. So what's good driving look like? Does it look like Boston? Does it look like Florida? Does it look like New York, right? Like, and the same, that's the same problem with, with if, you, if you start monitoring everyone's systems. What is, a, what is a good, healthy systems environment look like? What does it look right. like? Right. How many, what's the number of bones? What's the average time to patch, right? Like there's, there's a whole bunch of, of measures that I'm sure you could put on it, objective and otherwise. But who draws the line and where do they draw it? Right. You know, and that's that's a really good question in trying to determine that. Is it going to be based off industry standards with what they see and all the data they collect? Is it going to be based on somebody going, okay, we'll draw it here. We'll see what happens. And, you know, if too many people fall below it, okay, then we'll lower it again. Or if it's too high, then we'll adjust. Uh, yeah, no, that is certainly something that would need to be seen with regards to those uh, insurance companies. But I think also, you know, they're going to come through and they're going to run their pen tests. They're going to do their um, evaluation of your policy. So now all these cyber insurance, these insurance companies need to have cybersecurity experts that can properly evaluate them. You know, one of the former, are they, you know, the CISA auditors, are they, you know, who are those uh, people going to be that are going to go in and do those audits? Um, and what kind of resources do you need? And are you able to successfully go through and look at an organization? And I was watching um, a Netflix special the other day um, where it he looked at all the different brand, different things that go on in the government. And one of them deals with dealt with food. And it dealt with the slaughterhouses where the cows come in and are processed. But there is a ASDA, is that it? ASDA um, inspector walking around. There's 16 of them that are walking around this one or over 24 seven that walks around and is constantly inspecting and checking this. So is that something that the insurance companies? might get to or even federal government because they're the ones handing out the zero trust requirements and everything else. Well, maybe they should for critical infrastructure because I assume that's why the yeah. meat inspectors do it for, for meat plants, right? Like yeah. I assume that's the reason They don't why. want to make sure anybody dies from it, you know? And so, right. So maybe they should do it for critical infrastructure. I don't know that private sector is the place to start, but I don't know it's the place to end either. Okay, so other guests we're going to get on. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hit Kirsten up, and she's got to come on the show too. I got a whole lot of insurance questions, a whole lot. <laughs> Might as well but get yeah, into I it. Mean, it's, it's a big thing yeah, right I mean, now. if you have if you have somebody that's working at the plant, you know, are, will they? Is the argument well, our lives at stake? Immediate lives, you know, food people ingest it, they get sick, they could die. Mm -hmm. You know, power goes out, things could happen, people could die. So you want to make sure the lights are kept on. You know, is it something that you need to have an inspector there at, at all times? Um, yeah. It's certainly the questions to ask and to find out. It's wild because, you know, my next question, because I'm, I'm an old cynic, would be then who watches the watchers? Because at what point at what point do the lobbyists from, you know, big tech come in and make their lives easier? But the rest of us schmoes have have watchers watching us. Right. Um, exactly. It's it's nonsense all the way down. I, I think. I think the real problem is that there is not enough shared data, shared breach data. And so there's no, there's probably no good way to price it, um, price the policies. But what that means is the, the insurance companies are equally incentivized to not share that data with each other and just keep charging more anyway. Versus say, you know, car insurance, crash data is public data. If they decided to, to, and I'm going to use the word collude on, on the pricing of those policies, I could come along tomorrow and start up my own car, my own car insurance company and, and, and give out policies based on what I know is real information. But because there's little to no actual breach information that you could build an actuarial table from, certainly a sane one, they could work together on this. We know that. Like the insurance companies mm -hmm. could 
totally work together on this. And private industry totally could do. And there's lots of efforts at this, right? There's the Veritas project. There's um, um, the, the, the Verizon DBIR has its own for submission to that. And even they only get a few hundred uh, or, or so of actual, you know, deep breach data. I believe the problem is exactly that. And again, I'm an old cynic, but there is no incentive for sharing breach data because no one wants to, to be the one who's like, ah, look, you got breached. No one wants to be that guy. No, everyone's also worried about their public image. And sharing it privately means that, well, frankly, the rates do go down. Yeah, I mean, like, when you've where's got- Where's the fun and profit in that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you've got, I mean, even in the energy industry, that was a lot of issues as well, where you had ISAC set up and wanting to share and collect information. And, yes. and when you're publicly traded companies, you don't want to be putting... I mean, technically now the SEC is making it so that if you have anything that could impact your business, you need to report it like a data breach or whatever. And that's how we're finding out about a lot of these different attacks um, is because organizations have to report in and it that becomes public knowledge. And then, you know, everybody starts screaming and jumping up and down. But, yeah, yeah, yep. people, a lot of people don't like to, you know, air out their dirty laundry, but. You know, um, and I can understand why. I can certainly I can understand, understand why. why. Yeah. But at yeah, the same yeah. time, you've got organizations that go, "Well, look, we're going to, you know, we got we got hit with the ransomware. They took us down. We're being fully transparent with this, with you, the public, with you, our customers, so that way you know we're, we're working towards getting, you know, getting things set back up and everything else." Yeah. So some sometimes it's damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, what yeah. if? If you could by contrast, you, by the way, the bad guys are very good about sharing data. Very, of course. very, very good about sharing yep. data. Yep. Also good about selling it to each other, too, which is still a form of data sharing, by the way, yep. which, you know, you could equally set up those types of structures. You still have the same problems of, you know, of equality, if you would. But those problems kind of exist yep. there anyway. And they're just as ruthless to each other as they are to their own yes. victims. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yet they still find a way to share information, right? Like it's, it's wild. I tell you, I, I got a hold of their playbook. I was one of the lucky ones. To, well, I'm sure it's still out there, but they got a copy of the playbook and, and uh, went through it. It was, it was very interesting. It was neat. It was uh, interesting reading. So for both of you, if you could sum up RSA in one word, in one word, what would that word be? <laughs> One word. RSA. Or three. I'll give you three. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> educational, networking, and education, networking, and enjoyable. It was. It was good to get back out there and see everybody, get reconnected, learn some new stuff. So, yeah. I could have gone with exhausting or just as Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Always exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. My, pedometer, my pedometer just yeah. goes bananas. Like the number of steps a day is just off the charts, off the charts. But it's 27 it, it, miles I walked that week. That's I, that awesome, seems about though. right. And that's like awesome. a jerk. Like a jerk, I decided to run the hills a little bit too because I love running the San Francisco hills. And I don't, I live in Florida, it's flat as a pancake. So I see a hill and I'm like, yes, yeah, baby. Ah, couple of hills go to Anthony's. What's that? Did you go to that pizza place? Oh, I did not. Over by the uh, the oldest road in the in the world. No, No. never heard of that. Oh my gosh, I went there in 2020 when uh, when I went to RSA. We went to the I think it's Anthony's Pizza. He's the only American to win in a pizza contest against Italians. Nice. Oh wow! Or something. He's got like a yeah, amazing pizza. Nice. We did go to uh, the Stinking Rose. As all Garlic joint. I love yeah. that place. Good yes, stuff. that's good stuff. I made it to Shai Zen. It's an all vegan sushi restaurant. It's got some of the yeah. It's the most amazing sushi you will have had. I promise you. You should nice. check it out if you're back in town. Yes, so good. Interesting. Um, but it was, it was, it was an amazing pleasure to see each other. I think I hugged James alone for a solid forty-five <laughs> seconds to a minute. Like this is good to, to, to ah, yeah, tactile feeling of of people that 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 you haven't been around and enjoy being with. 
It's good yeah, stuff. That, Love that and, and the feeling of blood rushing down from my brain and losing air in my life. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bear hug. This is true. <laughs> it was a very nice, it was a good bear hug. It was, it was good. It was, um, true. yeah, it was certainly made me feel that David missed me. So I did. I did. But look, I'm not going to put that much distance in between the next time we see each other. No, definitely. IC squared. July, I'll be there. You've got one coming up on Monday. Yep. This Monday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we'll air before then, but that's okay. July. July. We'll make sure to put it in the show in notes there. as well. I'll be there. I think Cam and I will both be there. I'll be That'd there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Done. done. And then done, we can go done. out afterward or we can do record something beforehand. Or yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I'll work on the rest. I think the rest of that content's good too. So I'll get back to you on whether or not I'm presenting it. But at a minimum, okay. I'll be there. Cool. Yeah, we'd love to have you present. So nice. Oh, Cam, Cam. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be your MC. I'll I'll introduce uh, Gabe. Man, I haven't had <laughs> I haven't had somebody do that before, but that you can do that too. Yeah, I'll do a hype man. I'll be his hype man. I'll, I'll just be like, <laughs> I'll I'm return. Getting, to I'm favor. getting visions then, of a night. I was gonna now. say I'll return to favor, and then when we go out with James, I'll be your hype man all night, everywhere around Orlando. <laughs> How's that sound? I will hype you up all around Orlando. Deal. <laughs> All right, fair. Cameron turns to Gabe. You can be my wingman anytime. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. James, thank you, man, for jumping on. We really yeah, appreciate really it. Really miss you, man. It's good and, to see uh, you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon. And thanks again. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Privacy Please. This podcast is brought to you by Spirion. Protecting what matters most. If you guys want to keep hearing us and supporting us, please, please, please email me at cameron.ivy at spirion.com. That's C-A-M-E-R-O-N dot I-V-E-Y at spirion, S-P-I-R-I-O-N dot com. We would love to hear from you. New topics, guests, all that good stuff. Support us. We love doing this every single week and we hope to continue. Thanks again for your support. And again, Cameron Ivey, over and out, all around decent guy. See you next week.